0: Welcome to another episode of Conduct Detrimental. I am joined this week by Mike Lawson. What's up, Mike? What's up, Dan? How's it going? I'm good. We have like a rotating uh, cast of characters over here. I kind of like this, keeping everyone on their toes at this point. Yeah, definitely. I'm just happy uh, I can rotate in. Mike, you are, of course, an integral part of the team because if anybody thinks that uh, I sound halfway uh, coherent and anybody on this podcast, it's because of Mike's superior Excellent, fantastic, amazing. Did I say enough adjectives? Editing skills. I don't know where you pick this up, but you're very good at it.
1: It's just just little edits here and there. It's nothing crazy.
0: There are some things that I find might be hilarious in the podcast. Mike cuts them out. And some things that are probably uh, good that Mike cuts out. Mike, I'd say this week, I mean, there's one big story. If you're following my feeds on social, I'm very much focused on what's going on in the horse racing world. But I know you have some thoughts on it. I think Bob
1: Baffert has entered the limelight for a negative reason. Once again, he's had a lot of past allegations against him with doping and horses. and It's just not good. And I, I think that the process of Medina Spirit, you know, being a thousand dollar horse, everyone was kind of up in arms being, well, it kind of makes sense that maybe he would try to give give Medina Spirit a little extra edge to win the Kentucky Derby. You've got the sports gambling piece in the background where everyone are like, Well, do I cash my do I cash my my bet? Did I win money? Am I gonna have to give my money back? What you know all those betting tickets that lost, are, you know they're up in arms. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, different angles here besides just the racing, besides the Triple Crown, besides the history of horse racing. But we've got these two excuses that Bob Baffert has been you know, well, saying.
0: Let's before we get into the fine excuses, let us let us tee up uh, our episode because the <laughs> the excuses are my favorite part, obviously, of this story. So first and foremost, we want to get into the Bob Baffert stuff. The Kentucky Racing Commission, the Maryland Racing Commission, there was some hint of a possible, you know, temporary restraining order, but, you know, we'll get into that. We'll unpack the whole Bob Baffert, Medina Spirit, Kentucky Derby, where we'll unpack that. Number two, story that I think came across today, but Mike, you found some uh, inklings of this dating back a couple months. The Oakland A's, will say, brewing relocation. This is on the, we'll say, on the political side of the sports spectrum. You know, when you talk about the Oakland A's relocating, one of the teams you might have to buy that bluff, or, you know, they're not bluffing. That stadium, I've seen pictures of Oakland Coliseum. It is not, not a pretty site. So if they're not going to fix that stadium, that is very much possible. And last but not least, sometimes no news is good news. And sometimes no news means there uh, is a storm brewing, the calm before the storm. That's the Deshaun Watson situation. We want to talk about why we might have heard no news, what would be the next steps. Uh, this is, you know, a pure litigation case. Once you have the answer, summons and the answer in, you know, then it's uh, time to really dig your heels in with discovery. So we'll get into that. But first and foremost, for those that have not been following the saga, just a brief back and then we'll get into the substance.
1: Just to start, to lay out kind of the what exactly happened, we have... Bob Baffert's horse, Medina Spirit, wins the Kentucky Derby. The post-race test, a drug test, of Medina Spirit showed 21 picograms of betamethasone, which is a steroid, and that is a banned substance, which caused all of this to kind of spark. Dan, I know you just said that, you know, the two excuses are your favorite. So I'm going to let you do a deep dive, but that's where we are right now. And they're still doing more tests. And they did allow Medina Spirit to race in the Preakness in this the upcoming race here. So Dan, what, what are the two excuses that Bob Baffert's diving into here?
0: Here's what we have. We, the, the first excuse was the one, I think they were, we had a little bit of fun with it, but I guess he, Bob Baffert did the media tour, which we can get into why someone in his position would do a media tour, which I'm not sure of the wisdom behind it. But number one, Baffert said that one test, and I think he was referring to one of the five positive tests horses had in the past years, that one test resulted in a positive by a horse groomer urinating on a stack of hay and a horse eating that stack of hay and testing positive for a drug, which is found in cold medicine. So you can imagine, use your imagination as to how Bob Bafford figured this out. I'm sure he'd like, you know, like in the movies, he put a spotlight on someone who's like questioning. He's like, what did you do to the hay? What did you do to the hay? Oh, you, you had cold medicine. And I guess that's the band stuff. So I had fun with it. If you really read into his comments, he didn't specify. It's unclear if he's talking that that was his excuse for this horse, which a majority of the internet thought he was saying, but. I had a, a horse racing lawyer tell me that that comment was most likely in reference to a, a horse that tested positive, I believe, in July of 2020. But the official statement from Bob Baffert today, we'll say, we'll say his excuse number two, but it's, he's just kind of trying to muddy the waters. But I guess before he gave these two, we'll quote unquote, quote unquote excuses, Baffert said, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I don't know how this drug got in his system because the drug, you know, this, this horse didn't take this drug. So he was very clear on this. And this is, I guess, to the point, like he said, we're going to conduct an investigation. He said, we're going to look into this, you know, but we didn't take that drug. He's positive he didn't take it. So like maybe someone contaminated him and he's throwing around all these conspiracy theories. Like, I don't know who's going to a horse track, shooting up horses with like dope. Like it's an insane kind of theory, but you know what Baffert does the next day, right? He comes out and he says, oh, actually check that, check that because Medina Spirit had fungal infection, had dermatitis, And he was actually getting an ointment that actually had that exact drug in it. And he wasn't just getting it once. He was getting it once a day, every day up until the Kentucky Derby. I just didn't conduct an investigation. I didn't ask the right question. So I take it back. There's no conspiracy theory. I just didn't know. So Bob Baffert was a liar. Either either he didn't know or he should have known. But he said, oh, it's got to be a conspiracy theory. They're after me. Oh, just kidding. Obviously, there was an ointment on him every single day. So, you know, I worked for the Giants in their PR department. That was when I was a junior and senior in college. In my first two years of law school, I did it, you know, on a part-time basis. But, you know, I was around the people that that did it for their full-time job. I don't know what the wisdom of Bob Baffert going and saying anything yesterday was, especially when it was clear he didn't know what ointments his horse was getting. I don't know how he could possibly make that claim. It's so aggressively that this is, it's got to be a contamination. It's got to be cross-pollination. It's got to be a conspiracy theory, but I don't know, Mike, what, what are your thoughts on the whole Baffert stuff? I have some more, but I, I want to hear your, your thoughts on it. So three things
1: first, for all the law students out there listening, if you caught what Dan just said, he said that he had, he was talking with a horse racing lawyer. That's, the, that the, that's an actual thing. So if you're it into is. horse racing, if you're into the legal side of horse racing, that's, that's a job. Look, you well, know, I it, didn't know it was it. a
0: job until someone dropped him my replies and told me I was wrong, and then I followed up with them, and then I found out that, I don't want to get into specifics, but they represent professional jockeys. They are a listener of the podcast, actually, interestingly enough. Well, that's great.
1: I, I hope they're listening to this. I hope we're doing a good job. Second, for clarity here, too, uh, the ointment, he, he had dermatitis. It's an antifungal or ointment, like Dan said. The name of it is Otomax, which does have and one of their ingredients, beta which is what I just said before. Third thing is, going back to what you said about from a PR front here, I can't imagine what the next step of Bob Baffert is. I, I mean, this is different, right? Because so Bob Baffert is the trainer of Medina Spirit. Who is the owner of Medina Spirit?
0: I, th- I think you pronounce his name Amir Zidane. I have a little bit more on him later, but go ahead. So back to what
1: you said before, the fact that Bob Baffert didn't know the drugs or ointments that Medina Spirit was taking—that's ridiculous because he's the trainer. That's his job to know exactly what medications that he's taking. So that's that's preposterous. And then going back, like if you think about this, on Dan, you work for the Giants and their PR firm. Professional sports uh, on the big scale level has a number of people running PR and legal they have a team that does all the PR for them Bob Baffert I don't know who was talking in his ear but they clearly don't have a big team or I don't know if the owner was appreciative of some of the comments that Bob Baffert was saying maybe he was just trying to get ahead of it muddying the waters like you said before is something that probably he was doing but what's what is his next step what's his game plan here maybe maybe it is the antifungal Otomax probably is more realistic than a trainer taking cough medicine and peeing on the hay and then Medina Spirit eating the hay. But now what we have is we have Medina Spirit, who's going to race in the Preakness, while in the background we still have all of these tests and investigations going on. Bob Baffert, who also said they're doing their own independent investigation. What is Bob Baffert's next step here?
0: Let's have a little bit of an academic exercise. I know it's not going to happen at this point, but there was a world which I was, you know, you know me, I'm I'm excited when any stuff like this happens. But if he did get banned from the Preakness, and we should talk about well, how he could have been, there was a world where Bob Baffert might have had to file a temporary restraining order to block Pimlico, which is the host of the race and the Preakness, from basically enforcing that ban. That would have been a really interesting one. Uh, obviously, we're not going to get to go there now. But for a temporary restraining order, you have to show you know, some type of irreparable harm which I think probably would have been shown. I think you satisfy that level of it. But then you also, you know, harm, a.k.a. like Medina Spirit's not going to be able to go for the Triple Crown. The horse is going to be worth less money. He can't race in, the, in any type of Triple ground again after this, obviously, because you can only race as a three-year-old. Yeah, the other one is likelihood of success on the merits. And I don't know why. I, I feel like Pimlico is a private organization. They can do whatever they want. Now, what would have forced their hand to some extent as if the Maryland Racing Commission had stepped in and had made some type of suspension of the horse himself. Right now, I believe, and uh, you know, I, I, done, I think I know enough about this at this point, Bob Baffert as a trainer is suspended from the Kentucky Derby from Churchill Downs. That came out uh, shortly after this decision. And I should mention five medication violations in the past year for Bob Baffert, which is not normal. Horse racing has a black eye in some sense, but one trainer having five and especially a trainer of Bob Baffert status, which we should mention Bob Baffert is like the LeBron James, the Tom Brady, the Michael Jordan. He's, you know, I I was listening to a podcast last week. They said, if he won the Kentucky Derby, he would, he would go down as the greatest trainer of all time. And he already has the record for Kentucky Derby. So that gives you, that's why we're dedicating a whole segment to Bob Baffert.
1: Just to clarify for all the listeners. So you don't have to go look it up. Bob Baffert has, has trained two triple crown winners in 2015. He trained American Pharaoh in 2018, he trained Justify and Daniel mentioned the, the record. Bafford has won six Kentucky Derbies, seven Preaknesses, and three Belmont Stakes and three Kentucky Oaks. Kentucky Oaks is separate, but he is a decorated trainer in this sport. So
0: he's a big deal. I mean, so I guess he's challenged suspensions and before hearings. The only reason I brought up Bob Bafford, Bob Bafford is suspended from Churchill Downs temporarily. His horses were never at any point suspended from the Preakness. So there was some misinformation going out. Why the horses are not suspended by the Kentucky Racing Commission or the Maryland Racing Commission or the New York Racing Commission is where the Belmont occurred. There's a rule in horse racing, which uh, I tried to become as familiar with it as I could over the last 48 hours. Essentially, you take a post-race test and then there's a second race test. It's called the split test. And the second, the split test, the first one you do right after the race, maybe takes a week or two to come out. Right. The second test takes about six to eight weeks to come out. And Bob Baffert is suspended pending the results of that second test. And the race results of the Kentucky Derby are pending the results of this second test. So the Kentucky Derby, in their own discretion, I mean, it's not really discretion. If the test comes back again and it confirms the test, it's not a false positive. It's confirmed. The race results will actually be flipped. Mandaloon, who finished in second place, who my lovely nanny had actually placed a fairly large bet on, she lost that bet. She had Mandaloon, I think, at like 20 to one. And even though Mandaloon could, in theory, go down in the record books as the winner of the Kentucky Derby, the bettors are never going to get that. So if you put a bet on Medina Spirit, which I know Big Cat over at uh, Barstool had a big bet on Medina Spirit, he gets to cash that bet. That bet gets to stay in play. So just an interesting little footnote in history, even if, which I don't think will happen because Medina Spirit's not you know, not some blue, bro- blue blood horse. If Medina Spirit wins at the Preakness, And let's say he goes on to win at the Belmont. If the Kentucky Derby unwinds his win, he's not a true Triple Crown winner. It's an interesting footnote if it does happen. I don't think it will, but interesting. Yeah.
1: So I think that kind of sums it up for uh, where we.
0: I have one more thing, Mike. Okay. Now, in this statement, where Bob Baffert basically. So today he kind of comes out and he goes, mea culpa, I messed up. The ointment. I didn't know about the ointment. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He did like the South Park thing. You know, he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now watch this. This is the end of his comment. Ready? Bob Afford saying he's sorry, right? The ointment, you know, he knew it, it was with the horse quote Medina spirit earned his Kentucky Derby win. And my pharmacologists have told me that 21 picograms of beta would have no effect on the outcome of the race. Medina spirit is a deserved champion and I will continue to fight for him. Okay. So I, I leave you with that. It's the end of his statement that he gave out today on Tuesday. So, uh, number one, I think it's a little bougie to call them pharmacologists. Let's call them pharmacists. Who, who says pharmacologists? Mike, don't tell me you know any pharmacologists. First of all, this is a Dan Snyder type situation. You're, I'm going to call them pharmacists. Whatever these pharma bros are, okay, um, these pharma bros are basically employed by Bob Baffert to tell them whatever the hell they want to tell them. So, Bob, I don't really believe you that 21 pico have would have no effect on the outcome of the race. Because guess what, Bob? They wouldn't be illegal, and that, that level wouldn't be illegal if it didn't have an impact on the race. They're anti-inflammatories. They're not pure steroids. They don't make you bigger, but they they help kind of mask issues that a horse would have in pain. That's fair, but in the same context, like
1: obviously, when you go to trial, you have experts that you pay that are going to give you opinions that you want. So it, it's the don't same. Don't believe to- them either,
0: but don't <laughs> don't don't. But they, then they're not credible. I I'm That's, not. I'm not saying that. That I, is I'm up not, to the jury. Who's the jury of court of public opinion doesn't buy it, Mike. I'm, I'm just pointing out. I'm a voice of the people. The last part of this uh, comment, Medina Spirit is a deserved champion. I will continue to fight for him. The only way to read those comments is that he's going to fight any over uh, reversal of the decision. I thought I, I read those comments that he was going to fight to get him in the Preakness, which I think he probably was, but he's going to fight any uh, overturning of that Kentucky Derby win. Mike, I think we're good on, on horse racing talk. I think our first time on the podcast covering horse racing, I'm proud of us. I think so. We, we, did, a, we did a deep dive. I'm also a degenerate horse, uh, I bet on horses a lot, so I'm not sure why it has not come up in the podcast, but I grew up next to a horse track.
1: I grew up 20 minutes north of Saratoga Racetrack and I mm. am not a big gambler on
0: horses. Do you know I went to college 15 minutes away in Schenectady, New York? I
1: did, and if you got from Schenectady to Saratoga in 15 minutes, you must've been going 100 miles an
0: hour. I did drive a Mustang in college, so <laughs> put my foot to the back. I think, I have an itch in suspicion, you uh, want to get into this Oakland A's debacle? I do. I do.
1: Oakland has been through a lot. Speaking uh, specifically of the Oakland Athletics, so I've, I've posted on my timeline a number of, of different times. Uh, I am very interested in baseball and the law. I did my final, you know, my final paper, my writing requirement for law school on the Major League Baseball exemption, the antitrust exemption. Oakland is wrapped up in that exemption, but what we have right now is that the latest news is Major League Baseball has basically granted the Oakland Athletics the option to explore new markets. Now, with that, this isn't the first time that Oakland has attempted to explore new markets. They did it years ago, I I wanna say 2015, uh, when they wanted to go to the Bay. They wanted to go to San Jose and move about 40 miles from where the current Oakland Coliseum is, and they wanted to build a new stadium. However, Going back to that Major League Baseball antitrust exemption, there is a rule called the territorial rules. Uh, And basically, this is a part of this antitrust exemption. And the Major League Baseball restricts teams to move a franchise to another franchise's territory. San Jose is on the bay and it sits in the San Francisco Giants territory. Now when all that happened, the Giants and Major League Baseball refused to negotiate with Oakland and Dan, I know you're a Giants fan, but to the Giants credit, they were allowed to do that.
0: Go Giants put on.
1: <laughs> the Giants that that it was you know it's fair for them because they're gonna they're gonna ride on this exemption that Major League Baseball has because they don't want their market being split by another team when that's not already established right Like you have New York Mets and New York Yankees they are clearly both in you know, New York city, but they've got their own distinct fan bases here. Oakland already is 15 miles away from the the giants territory. So it's already close for comfort here. So what the Oakland athletics have now gone on because they wanted to get out of the Coliseum, the Raiders got out of there. They went to Vegas. The Coliseum was built in 1968. It's just not in the best shape. It's not a great market. I mean, even the athletics owner, John Fisher said the future success of the A's depends on a new ballpark. So this has just been their, their go-to their motto and what, what they wanted and what they've done is they have a waterfront stadium in Oakland and it's a Oakland ballpark waterfront district project. And I'm going to go through the specifics so I don't mess it up. It's, it's a very, very large project here and it's Besides the stadium, so you have a 35,000-fan stadium for the athletics, and it sits on a 55-acre Howard Terminal portion of the Port of Oak. The project includes 3,000 apartments uh, or condos, 1.5 million square feet of commercial space, up to 270,000 square feet of retail space, a hotel up to 400 rooms and more. Now that's the project, that's the proposal. uh, They're calling it the uh, Howard Terminal kind of project. The Howard Terminal is the location that currently sits there. Now the issue that besides Major League Baseball having this kind of, the the territorial rule that I just said about potentially looking for a new market and moving the stadium, building a new stadium, this project now that that they wanted, they're like, okay, fine, we're going to stay in Oakland, but we need a new stadium. That's what this project is. However, back in February, there was a lawsuit and it was listed as the Howard Terminal lawsuit where a coalition of of kind of companies and industries in that area, in the industrial section of the Port of Oakland, filed this lawsuit against the Oakland Athletics because they went to rush their environmental impact report, right? This is a part of, uh, of the situation where they need to file the change in the environment that they're going to be doing, building this large project here. So, uh, Oakland Athletics wanted to rush it, so they they were you know working with uh, the city of Oakland and to to lay out everything that was going to be changing. Because what what is happening is the Athletics are converting the downtown waterfront, which is right now purely industrial. It's a the Oakland Port is a purely industrial. Uh, zone and they're converting it to a mixed-use environment. So that's going to put new stresses on the city's infrastructure, on their transport systems. You know, they, they're going to—it's going to lay out a, a ton of different issues and different differences in the environment. So that's what the environmental impact report is. They want to get this project underway. So they want to rush this. Even the mayor, spokesperson for the mayor, said like, "We want to keep you know Oakland here." So back in February, an Alameda Superior Court judge ruled in favor of the Oakland Athletics to allow them to put their at least draft of this environmental impact report so they can move along this project to build the new stadium. Dan, that brings us to the news here and what I just said before, Major League Baseball just gave the Oakland Athletics approval to look look at new markets. Now, behind the scenes, Oakland has what I was just saying, all of these different issues that they've been struggling within the city of Oakland and getting the project approved now we have the back, back since, you know, 2015, the option to move to a new market. Now, Dan, where do we stand with Rob Manfred in the situation of new markets for major league baseball team? I mean, I, I think it's going to be up to
0: the A's if they want to move. I don't know if it's, I mean, Manfred put his seal of approval on, it's got to be approved by the owners, the ultimate site that they choose. But I guess, you know, we're trying to figure out, I mean, I think the, the fun questions, right. Or like, where they're going to move and like if they're going to move. So you know, for the the history of the A's, they were started in Philadelphia, and then they moved to Kansas. Uh, I want to say in around the 50s, but they've been uh, in Oakland since like the late 60s. So it's a franchise that's moved a couple of times. It's not like the Yankees or like or the Red Sox with Cubs. Like this franchise has moved around a couple of times. So it's not. It wouldn't be so shocking if they moved. But you know, Mike, you you pointed out it's all over the, the statements. It's like you know, three years ago, maybe it's it's four years ago at this point, but you had the Golden State Warriors, which are technically in Oakland. You want to call them the Golden State, you can call them Golden State, but they were in Oakland. You had the Oakland Raiders, and you had the Oakland A's. And all of a sudden, a city is about to lose all three of its teams. So is it possible that they're going to leave Oakland? I'd say it's almost probable, because I'm sure when the Warriors tried to leave, the city tried to keep them. I'm sure when the Raiders tried to leave, the city tried to keep them. And it's the same thing happening again, but – uh, Oakland is now 0 for 2 in trying to keep its team. So, uh, if you're a betting man, I think the odds are that they're going to bounce. So, I'm. I'm if you read the reports. I think Las Vegas is the favorite, and that's where the Raiders went. So it wouldn't be that shocking. You know what, Mike? I, I I'm going to say the leader in my personal clubhouse is Omaha, Nebraska. The Omaha Athletics has just has such a fantastic tone to it. But you know what I learned, Mike? And fun Nebraska things. I, I, you know, you know me. I, I obviously, you know, if I see a, a spot to highlight the lovely state of Nebraska, I'm going to do it. Omaha is where the college baseball world series is. Okay. Nebraska obviously have the best fans in the world. It's not even really a question at this point. Um, But Mike would, I don't know if you know, you know, I don't, I talked about it on Twitter. I didn't talk about it on the podcast, but Creighton, which people have heard of, I I don't know if you knew Creighton, Mike was in Omaha Nebraska Creighton and Nebraska fans hate each other, but I mended, I mended some fences between Omaha and between Creighton fans. And Lincoln fans, that's where Nebraska is. I gotta get I gotta get Lincoln and Omaha on the same page. I gotta broker this deal because Omaha is a real baseball titty. It's got a it's got a triple-A team over there too. Mike, you know Darren Heitner, you know, and Darren, Darren listens to the podcast. He told me he listens to it between between runs and working out. Darren, I'm gonna talk to you now. If you can get college athletes paid in the state of Florida, I'd like to bring pro baseball to Nebraska. I feel like then sports laws has just taken over the world at that point. Uh, Mike, would, I think I would get like a medal of honor if I could pull that off. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. um, Maybe.
1: Maybe. Maybe a a star outside the stadium.
0: Maybe a bale of corn in my honor. How about that? I was about to say, how about them apples?
1: A bale of babbert hay?
0: Do you call them bales of corn? Is it called a bushel of corn? Bushel of corn. I'm going to get a bushel of corn in my honor. Um, (laughs) Maybe multiple bushel. You will be the
1: corn king.
0: I mean, that would be pretty cool. But you know, it's funny. I was, I was, uh, you know, so you, you brought up something that I, I think touches upon some of this. So I got a couple of DMs from Nebraska fans that thought it was really funny, but they say it's not realistic. And I go, why is it not realistic? They go because Nebraska is Kansas city territory. And that's, I mean, I'm sure if you looked at the territorial map of major league baseball, Kansas, uh, Kansas city has Nebraska, that would probably voice some objection amongst owners, right? What team right now Has the Nevada, has the Las Vegas market? None. That's what makes it such an attractive option for Major League Baseball. You're tapping into a new market. Now, for Nebraska, as much as I'm having fun with it, it's not necessarily a new market because it seems like Kansas, they already have Kansas City Royals fans, which I was not aware of. So, I don't know. It's interesting. But, yeah, I think the leader in the clubhouse is Vegas. I think it's very realistic. You know, if you are in a a place where you want baseball to come back, put out your petitions now. I, I am very confident the Oakland A's are moving. Very confident.
1: Speaking off the cuff, Omaha and Kansas City are only two and a half hours apart. So if I was a betting man, that's that probably in Kansas City's territory.
0: I'm going to wage war against Kansas at this point.
1: <laughs> Kansas City. Kansas City went from, I don't know if you followed Jeff Passen, but they went from the beginning, the beginning of May to the best record in baseball to 10 days later, like the 20th best record
0: in baseball. I think, I think Passen cursed it, right? Didn't he say that they're yeah, in the- he did, yeah. and 10 also- days? Passing's pass. I, I get alerts for passing. Passing's a very good follow. Passing has a very, he's playing a really dangerous game. And when there's a no hitter going, he says, like, hey, there's a no hitter going. It's a really dangerous game.
1: Yeah, but the curse only works if you're like actually there, I feel like. You you, don't, no, you, don't you can't talk, talk, talk to the about pitcher. it. You don't, you don't tell, you know, typically the announcers will be like, oh, no, like, you know, don't talk about it or whatever. But I don't know. Going back to, so you mentioned Vegas, you talked about obviously Omaha. Here's the situation with some of the potential, I'm going to list out some of the potential ones because Manfred has has listed out for, you know, expansion team opportunities for different venues here. Uh, Vegas is a possible location. Montreal has been mentioned, Portland, Oregon, Charlotte, North Carolina, Nashville and Vancouver, British Columbia. Now, Las Vegas has a good tie because that's where the Oakland athletics triple team plays. So it kind of makes sense, but then it kind of screws up. Like where's their triple team going to go? Unless they just stay in Vegas too. That's fine. Whatever. Montreal is now you're, now you're getting to the East coast, Montreal, Charlotte, and Nashville, Charlotte, Nashville is not, I guess, East coast, but it's, it's in central time, whatever, but it's like there on the East side. Right now, In the AL West, you have the Athletics, the Astros, the Mariners, the Rangers, and the Angels. So if the Athletics were to move to the opposite side of the the country, I I think that's a little silly for them. They would have to travel so much more. I think, realistically, Vegas makes sense, or even Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver would make sense because they're at least still on the West Coast. Vegas Vegas is the most obvious one because the, the Raiders went from Oakland to Vegas, so they're seeing that as, as being a success. I mean, Vegas has a ton of space to build. It's a desert, so I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where that plays out. I think Oakland is doing everything they can to keep them. Like I said before, the a spokesperson for the mayor said, you know, our, our goal is to, to – maintain oakland uh the oakland athletics keep them uh and they're they're actually siding with the oakland athletics on their urgency to build this stadium build this project like i said with the the case that's moving forward here so i don't if you if you don't have anything else you know really on this one i think we can wrap this up but that's really all we'll see what what, what happens going forward here
0: so last but not least uh third topic to sean watson um yeah i i uh I got a. I had a radio interview on it. Um, I, well, it's going to air tomorrow, but I did it for Louisiana Lafayette. And the question keeps coming up. It's like, why is there no news? And I and I tweeted about it. Um, you know, a few minutes ago. There's there's two questions that are really you know wh- why is there nothing right? We went from press conferences every single day uh, from Tony Busby and then Rusty Hardin. He wanted to get on the press conferences, so this is the battle of the press conferences. And then nothing. And then absolutely nothing. I know I tweeted maybe. A week or two ago that uh you know it'd been 23 days since tony busby posted on instagram which i was having fun with but now it's almost like it's almost been like 40 days since tony busby hasn't posted instagram no nothing whatsoever no comments i i know um from someone from the houston area that busby's getting uh feeling the heat from houston texans fans that's his market that's his constituency so when, when there is no news for that long a period of time really it's been a couple of weeks after news back and forth every single day, there's, there's one of two things. And I kind of alluded to it, you know, when we were talking about the top, it's like, is it the calm before the storm, right? It, will there be criminal charges that will be filed? I've always thought that that was a definitive possibility. I don't, you have 20, 20 victims who allegedly don't know each other and have no connection to each other, if you really want to buy that angle of it, that they really don't know each other, I, I, I think it's a really strong criminal case. Uh, you know, obviously things could fall apart and the witnesses could choose not to cooperate but I think there's enough there to be picked up, at least from what I'm seeing uh, on the outside. Um, so that's the calm before the storm. You know, in that, in that scenario, why is Tony Busby not Instagramming and doing press conferences? Because maybe the DA's office got in his ear and said, Tony, hey, don't fuck the case up for us. How about that? How about you stop uh, poisoning the well, poisoning the jury pool? Why don't you stop talking for a little bit? How about that? Or is the timing is also suspicious, not suspicious, but coincidental you know, his, his clients, his, the victims just came forward with their alleged victims, came forward with their names and they came forward. And, you know, I've, I've always thought that Tony Busby has treated this case a little bit like a circus. You know, there's been people have dropped in my DMS and have said, maybe he's treating it like a circus to take the attention off of his clients and to kind of empower them to come forward because he's going to, the blame's going to be on him. And maybe his client said, Hey, Tony, we we think you're cheapening the case with these press conferences. That's also possible in both of those scenarios. Um, the, civil cases still, and criminal cases are still going on. That's the point. And there's a tactical reason for not speaking. Now, the other reason, which Rich Eisen, uh, he had a comment that he said he heard at the draft that he, uh, a settlement was in the works. Um, I know that's been uh, contested a little bit today from different people and that it's not in the works um, because if a settlement was in the works, I think the court of public opinion would be ready to skewer Deshaun Watson, even though as attorneys, we know that sometimes you settle a case, even if you're not guilty, Sometimes it makes economic sense in a cost-benefit analysis. Hey, if it's going to cost me my career, and I'm Deshaun Watson, in my career I can make $100 million, $200 million, maybe there's a world where you settle these cases for a million dollars each and you walk away for 20 So, you know, the second option is they're, they're quiet because Rusty Harden and Tony Busby right now are trying to work out a settlement between themselves. Possible. I'm sure they've been talking settlement on and off, but uh, I don't know. I mean, wh- I have my thoughts. Mike, What do you? which of the two do you think it is?
1: I saw the settlement the settlement talk. I mean, unless there's a definitive, there's no way that Tony Busby would come out and say, yeah, we're talking. I mean, him being quiet. I think when you said the DA that, that actually sparks my thought like before, like when the DA got involved, I really thought that they were going to kind of close trap here. Like, like Busby was talking to get, I think, press out about the case that these are legitimate claims allegedly, but I think bringing it to the court of public opinion was not the best move. And and we've, uh, we've talked about it a number of different times, but also you have to think about now that the, the plaintiffs are actually named, you have to think about what every time he says something in the public, that, that is a, a is a danger to them because now you have anybody who might be supportive of the Texans or Deshaun Watson, you have the potential for, you know, the plaintiffs to be like gone after, whether it's their social media or like actually going to their house like that. You have to think about that. So the more quiet, the calm the storm is, it kind of takes the heat off of those plaintiffs in in that sense too. I think the DA is more more accurate. I think that they're probably saying like, hey, let us do our investigation, stop like talking and we'll, we'll see what actually comes out of this. But I, I don't disagree that there might be settlement talks in the background, I don't know if there, if, if there are serious settlement talks or whatever, but I agree. Yes. If, if Watson, I think we mentioned this a couple of times ago on the podcast, like if Watson was smart, he would try to settle as many cases of these as possible just to, to kind of close and and tie a bow in this and put it behind him. Uh, It, it also at the same, at the same level, like he's done with the Texans. Like he does not want to
0: play for them anymore. There's supposedly trade interest. I, I keep, I don't know. I mean, I, I saw the Eagles. I saw the, well, I saw the Niners pre-draft. I saw the yeah. Broncos were were looking in on him. There's, I mean, it, these
1: there's don't still come interest. Nowhere. There's, there's still interest for him. I mean, uh, the only thing that the, the next scene that's going to get him has to deal with is going to be the same thing where Antonio Brown was dealing with, was whether the NFL was going to suspend him, how long they were going to suspend him, because the ball is still in the NFL's court. here. This is worse. They have-
0: this is, if you ask me, this is worse than Antonio Brown. Though. I know. <laughs> I think it so. so too. Well, you know, Antonio Brown was a, a case of alleged rape. This is, you know, it's maybe quantity versus quality, whatever you want to call it. There's 20, there's 20, plus individual victims or alleged victims, you know, so it's a tougher one to defend obviously, but I, I do want to point out, you know, you and I, Mike, we're, we're in practice at this point. You're now, uh, well, uh, Mike, how's your first year of practice of law going?
1: Oh, Not a, f- a full year yet, but it's going, it's going well.
0: So you, you and I both know, and, and uh, you know, the field that you're in was, was my, uh, one of my earlier fields of uh, we'll say insurance defense or just lit- litigation, pure litigation. And we we know, and I think it's just important to mention, like settlement is ongoing throughout the course of the case. There's no time where you're like, hey, let's stop the case in its tracks and let's yeah. work on a settlement. Maybe you have a day where you go to mediation and you're just focused on settlement on that particular day. Or there's literally something called a settlement conference that you'll go to with the judge and you focus on settlement. But, but that's the case is still ongoing. So Watson and, Nat, Watson and, and you know, I, I guess there's people that don't really understand this. Watson got hit with a summons and complaint on 20 plus cases. And then something like one or two went away. And then he filed an answer. That's the first part of this lawsuit. That's the pleading stage, the summons and an answer. And then the next part of this before trial is a long part, but it's just called discovery. And discovery could sometimes take years. Um, and discovery is exchange of cell phone records, Instagram DMs, uh, photographs, video. It could be anything. It, it's anything and everything. And, it, and once you have enough Uh, we'll say discovery is the real term for it. It's called discovery, document exchange. It could be voice message, whatever it is. Once you have enough, um, you're ready to then go to depositions. And uh, I know uh, I was at a, I did a talk recently, NYU undergrad, and uh, it was an international class and they didn't understand, they didn't know what depositions were, which I'm like, you know, maybe I didn't know what depositions were when I was in college. So I know we have some college kids that listen, depositions. If you've ever seen the movie, uh, the social network about Facebook, that's what a deposition is. People sitting around a boardroom, and they're asking questions. There's a very funny, uh, hilarious episode of The Office. Obviously one of my favorite where it happens as well when they're reading Michael's diary. Great episode, fantastic episode. <laughs> but yeah, that's the, then the depositions occur. And then uh, at some point after depositions, Discovery is gonna be deemed complete. And then there's motions. Uh, you can file a motion for summary judgment. you file and then there's also motions to compel Discovery if they're having fights. So I say all of this to say that like, we are at the absolute infancy of the case. Nothing has happened. Zero has happened. So this is one of the points in the case where there could be a settlement before you have to go through text messages and DMs. This is a time where you would settle the case. You could also settle it right before depositions, after all the stuff's come out. Yeah, it would make sense timing-wise why this would be settled, but my contrary to the non-lawyers that are tweeting that they think a settlement is likely, no offense to Rich Eisen, I find it really, really hard to believe that Deshaun Watson could settle 20 different cases with 20 different Women, it's not the money. And what Sean Watson has enough money to settle these cases. It's the fact that these women came forward with their names. They have nothing else to lose at this point. If you're, you're at work and now your name is public in a lawsuit where you're involving sexual assault against Sean Watson, the worst part is done. Your name is out there. So it would be odd to me. And I don't want to say it's impossible, but very odd that it would settle this quickly. A normal case, yes, of course, it could settle right now. But this case, it's just too many moving parts. One case, yeah, 20. I, I just don't see it happening this quickly.
1: I agree, and to clarify even further, the fact that you keep emphasizing twenty different cases—these are twenty individual cases with different fact patterns, with different plaintiffs, with different, uh, not different allegations.
0: Similar. allegations. they're different allegations. The different days, the you know, the different locations are different.
1: Different fact patterns. So,
0: Tony Busby can't just like sit
1: down and and say like, "We're going to settle all these together." That that would be a class action. This is not a class action. So he can't advocate for all 20 at the same time. So it would, it would have to be individual interests of right, each but you, individual plaintiff.
0: Right. And each individual plaintiff, you, no client, you know, and, and you know, my, my practice, all my clients are different. All my clients, some need handholding. Some don't, some don't give a flying shit and they just trust me to handle the case. Some need it. Some are going to want to settle and some aren't. Some money's not going to be an issue and others maybe are having trouble paying the rent and they need the money now. So, yeah, right. it's, it would be insane, and I and I again, no offense to Rich Eisen, but settlement being in the works, I'm sure is true. But being in the works really doesn't mean anything when you have 20 different cases. Um, the most important part, too, out of what you just said, is getting. It's
1: not about the money, and it's not about like the settlement. To go getting all 20 plaintiffs to agree right. to settle.
0: Right. That's that's yeah. right there. It's going to be very hard. I think that Watson gets hit with a suspension or some type of missed games, no matter what, even if he settles all the cases. So yeah. anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll follow it. Um, but I'll, I'll just tell you from my experience, something happened. I don't know what happened, but something happened to completely change the strategy of both sides from a media perspective. I don't know what it was, whether the DA's office talking, clients saying something, because obviously Tony Busby was driving the media uh, in the first instance. But something happened. We'll, we'll see. And I, you know, I, just for people that are kind of coming anew, um, if there is a criminal case here, if the DA does file charges, that will basically stop the civil case in its tracks. We've heard a lot from Tony Busby, but if the criminal, the DA's office does come in, you're going to be hearing less and less of Tony Busby, which also seems maybe kind of what's what's happening now. Is kind of uh, my indication. The DA's office told Busby, "Hey, we're we're about to take this criminal case. We're really thinking about it. Don't fuck it up in the next month." That's also could be what happening. And that was my initial inclination. Mike, anything to add? I got some uh, fun what to watch for stuff.
1: No, I don't have anything to add here. What do you got for what to oh, watch for?
0: Okay. So I think, uh, as you know me, Mike, I'm a very uh, audio person. I, get, I know it's like when you grow up, you're like an auditory learner or a visual learner. I don't know what any of that stuff really meant growing up. Uh, I just, uh, I know now in my adulthood, I love podcasts. And I love documentaries. I can't really, I don't, I mean, obviously I can read. I'm a lawyer. I just don't like reading long form stuff. I just, maybe it's my ADD. I just can't get through it. I listen uh, and I watch a lot. So this past weekend, I discovered that Hulu has an amazing documentary section. Get ready for this one, Mike. I got three up your alley. Okay. All right. The Orange Years, which is a documentary on Nickelodeon, the, the boom and bust of Nickelodeon. I, this is all the shows I grew up on. It was fantastic. I was really, really good. Rugrats, Doug. I'm, hopefully I'm not dating myself, but the Rugrats uh, was a show that literally like I grew up on. It's really cool to see how they put all those shows together. Are you a Nickelodeon guy or is that, is that after you? No, I was a
1: huge, huge Nickelodeon. I'm right, I'm right in there, right in the nineties, the the peak of Nickelodeon. I love the the before and after pictures of Nickelodeon Studios, where it was like you know covered in slime in different colors, and then the the post like picture of it was like very monotone, like muted colors. And it's like, what happened, to Nickelodeon? That's great, actually. I, I should, I, I'll have to check that out. That's
0: pretty interesting. So this one, Mike, well, I, I mean, I'm not going to do a full deep dive in it. The WeWork documentary, which I know is getting a little bit of social buzz. It's basically like if fire Festival Fyre festival happened in a corporate environment, it is absolutely wild. It's like the number one documentary on Hulu. It's, I think it's the number one thing on Hulu. It's very good. Watch that one. People I'm sure have heard of that. The third one, which I had never heard of and no one recommended it. I was just scrolling like a psychopath through Hulu documentaries and I saw one called who let the dogs out? So obviously that piques my attention because I'm a big Baja Man guy, my favorite song of all time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I watched the trailer. There is a really interesting music lawslash copyright like litany of lawsuits about who owns the song uh Who Let the Dogs Out. Did you know yes, that?
1: I did. I did. I, I remember taking, you know, reading those cases in my uh, entertainment law class.
0: I did not know that. It is. Well, so if any, if I'm, I can't be the only one that didn't know that this existed. Who let the dogs out? If it sounds, it's like, who let the dogs out? Who, who, who? So I say that, right? That line is found, who let the dogs out? Who, who, who? In about six different songs that predate the Baja Men song. So it's a question yep. of who owns the rights. And there's a hundred lawsuits flying around. They had to dig up floppy disks from the early nineties. It is so good. And I, it's like, it's like the one documentary, the legal documentary, I never knew existed, but now like I'm recommending to everyone. It was really, really good. I'll have to watch that. I, I enjoyed that part.
1: Entertainment law for, again, a lot the law students listening, if you have an entertainment sport law, you know, like sector, if you have an entertainment law class, it's basically, you know, uh, intellectual property, like minus patent law. And it's just entertaining, entertaining cases just like that. Um, it, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. So I, I'll definitely have to check that out. My what to watch for? Uh, I've been really getting back into NBA Top Shot uh, of late, uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to what Top Shot is doing more recently. Uh, they're adding new badges, new you know different scores that you have. Collector score. They're really grinding on um, making this not a pump and dump, uh, making it you know for a fan collecting these moments and, and creating different challenges and whatnot. So. I've been getting into that. I've got, I think, uh, almost 30 moments now. Uh, so I'm doing a pretty deep dive into that. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes.
0: Pass me, Mike. I have 23, but I've sold a couple. I qualified for this uh, super dunk one. I know uh, I know you got it, Mike. So
1: I'm very, I did, yeah. very
0: envious. I'm very envious. My, the throwdown dunk that
1: I got was uh, Yusuf Nurkic on Portland Trailblazers. So pretty good card. It, it was pretty fun. It came with a few other good ones. I got a Kyrie which was a pretty good one. So uh, it's exciting. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, At first I was kind of excited because the hype was around it. You can kind of buy them and flip them. And I made uh, you know, some money just flipping them like that, but I'm enjoying the actual collecting aspect of it now with the badges and whatnot. So uh, we'll see where it goes.
0: We shall. I'm trying to think we'll we'll hold Dan to it. If I say in the podcast, he's going to have to do it. While like we're supposed to get back next week, if people are interested as to why Dan is kind of on and off, Dan does again the running joke of the podcast when Dan is on. Dan uh, does live in Siberia, so he's hard to get a hold of in, in certain time slots. But uh, more importantly, in the sports betting world, with what happened in Florida last week with the, uh, you know, betting or uh, gambling, the gambling laws changing with uh, Governor DeSantis coming in, Dan has been called into into active duty. So Dan has assured me that he will be back next week. We do have some fun announcements when we get Dan back on, but. Uh, Make sure out. to
1: check out Dan Wallach's
0: new article on Forbes. Definitely check that out. But yes, we do have uh, some fun things in the works. So for Dan Wallach, he is always at Wallach Legal. Myself, Dan Lust, at Sports Law Lust. Mike is at Mike underscore son of underscore law. And the show is at con detrimental everywhere but on TikTok. We're yours truly registered at sports law. I'm going to keep patting myself on the back for that one. So that'll put this in the books. And we will see you next week on another episode of Con Detrimental.